Hi everyone, and welcome to the February edition of the DistilleryTours.Scot podcast, giving you that wee bit of extra insight from Scotland's whisky distilleries. My name's Nikki Simpson, and in this episode, I spoke to Rosalind Frame, Brand Engagement Manager at the Tullibardon Distillery in Perthshire. Rosalind tells us about how her preconceptions of the Tullibardon Distillery didn't match the reality, how the whisky changed when terroir distilleries took Tullibardon over, giving them access to their burgundy casks, and what their on-site cooper and handcrafted approach bring to the visitor experience. If you'd like to find out more about the Tullibardon Distillery and their whisky, check out distillerytours.scot and click on the Book Now button on their listing. We hope you enjoy it. Start your whisky journey with Caledonian McBrain, proud sponsors of distillery and whisky news podcasts. Visit calmac.co.uk for further information. So today I'm here with Rosalind Frame, Brand Engagement Manager at the Tullibardon Distillery. Hi, Rosalind. Hi, Nikki. Uh, nice to nice to have you with us today. So tell us about how you first came to whisky and your life before you worked at Tullibardon. Yeah, um, so I, I graduated uni with an English degree thinking I would get into journalism. Um, so that was kind of the plan for me. Um, but unfortunately, I graduated during recession. So jobs were a bit thin on the ground. Um, I got a job at the Daily Record, um, but in advertising department. So I was doing some writing on the side, um, doing music reviews for them while I worked in marketing. Um, and then sort of from there, my next job was actually at the Dram magazine. So, you know, the on-trade uh, Scottish publication. Um, oh. And I did I did that for a six-month period, but that was kind of my first insight into the drinks industry and as a whole because um, they sent me to some nice events. Um, and, yeah, whiskey really sort of sparked a little bit of interest in whiskey at that point. Um, and I, I went with my dad to some of his whiskey tastings. Um, he was a member of the Malt Whiskey Society, so I was sort of tag along with him um, and some Good Spirits company uh, tastings. And that was that was me starting to uh, enjoy it in my spare time as well. So kind of my interest started there. Um, and then I moved to London. Um, I was working in marketing for... Um, an outdoor clothing company at the time so nothing to do with whiskey um but when I moved to London it kind of marked a change in in the increase in my personal interest in whiskey because there's so much happening in London there's so many events um and so many festivals and tastings to go to so it really sort of jumped up um when we moved to when I moved to London so um I think at that point I realized I wanted to combine the two um and didn't see the point of just enjoying whiskey on the side and thought, why not combine it with marketing? So um, I kind of made an effort then to, to look for and try and get into the industry. So uh, my first whiskey role was with Chivas Regal. Uh-huh. Um, and I I worked at their uh, global head office in London, um, but I was part of the Oliver in, on, um, in-house agency side. So I wasn't fully part of the Chivas Regal team sort of an in-between kind of role but it really gave me an insight into how the big whiskey corporations work and it was a really like brilliant experience sort of being there for the year and, and learning all about how it all worked I guess for the first time from a professional side which was great they also sent us up to Speyside for like a Scotch master's trip which was probably one of my favorite ever distillery trips where we just went around Speyside and 
and drank all day and it was uh <laughs> it was pretty pretty nice um and then from there I, I moved over to Atom Brands um so they are just outside London they're in Kent um but they had a global PR role so um kind of using some of the experience I had um and not just a whiskey role either it was um they had bathtub gin um, and drinks by the dram, so and some rum as well. So there's a full spirits kind of education there, if you will. So um, yeah, was there for three years with them. So they have boutique whiskey, which is probably the best, my favourite brand of of the Atom brands. And uh, I had some great times with them. And working with indie bottlers are quite cool. They have quite a lot of freedom, so um, it's quite different to working with a distillery brand, which I've yeah now come to realise. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that. interesting. Um, uh, interesting take on the on the whiskey industry because I think when I mean I speak to a lot of people obviously that work in in distilleries and I think the majority, um, you know, live and breathe their actual venue as opposed to um, well, I mean obviously they live and breathe their whiskey as well, but they don't tend to. I mean, if, for example, that's the first time I've heard of drinks by the dram or boutique whiskey. Yeah, um, and I think. Um, but those are great touch points for for so many um you know drinkers of whiskey you know they're not all connected to the distilleries and especially outside of Scotland as well i think because it's on our doorstep here we kind of see it as just second nature that you would go and visit a distillery or that you would have some kind of affinity with whiskey i mean it's there's a stereotypical thing there isn't there about you know people living in Scotland um you know more capable even of drinking whiskey <laughs> yeah. um, but i think um for many people outside of Scotland that's not the case so that's cool. yeah tell me it's a bit cool. more about boutique whiskey yeah so they they um they have they bottle pretty much all of the scotch whiskies but they're really into the world whiskies as well so that was a total new part of the part of the industry for me was was the amount of world whiskies and and kind of new world whiskies as well so you know like the nicknames or the sort of the newer sort of distilleries that are not not on your traditional side so um yeah they they have some amazing uh, relationships with with distilleries across the world and and their platform is is that they're sort of uh well apart from being independent they're just quite relaxed about whiskey there's no stuffiness their their labels are all um sort of graphic novel style so there's always some in jokes on every label so um, you kind of have to be a bit of a nerd to appreciate some of the the end jokes, but they're they're visually pretty impressive, and it's it's quite a good take on on sort of the traditional whiskey. I really I loved working with those guys, and um, Dave Worthington and Sam Simmons are the two the two main guys at Boutique, and they're sort of they've been in the industry for for a long time, and I've learned a ton from working beside those guys. So yeah, so. Mm. It's a great brand to sort of. It's a great brand to learn about the other whiskies as well because they bottle so many. It's kind of like Malt Whiskey Society, I guess, in the, in the way that you get to try so many different bottles you would never have really heard of had they not kind of brought it to light. Yeah, it gives you a lot more exposure to a lot of a lot more a lot more different whiskies, huh? Yeah, like for example, they just did a New Zealand, um, no, sorry, an Australian series. So they had like eleven whiskies come out from Australia, which I was mm. like that's pretty cool and most of the people who tried them were like yep I've maybe tried one Australian two Australian whiskies so it's kind of bringing light on those small producers and craft producers so cool I really like yeah. that yeah um, thank you um so uh moving on to your current role though um you've yeah. been at Tullibarden now it's quite a new role for you since September last year what were your 
perceptions of the distillery beforehand how how is that and how's that changed have you you know do you feel differently about the distillery now than what you did before or tell me yeah definitely I I think my awareness was that it was on the A9 and I used to see it when we go to visit families so I was really aware that it existed and like that it's a traditional brand that it's been around it had it had history um but I didn't see a lot of marketing or or a lot coming from the distillery at all so I assumed quite a small uh, production and quite a small site um, before I started Um, but then when I started I was like really sort of taken back by the size of their capacity so there's you know they have like up to three million litres capacity per year um, and they also do all the processes on site um, so you know we've got the bottling hall um and the cooperage on site alongside the usual whiskey processes so i was pretty um yeah surprised and i think that's probably what visitors who come to the distillery are as well like when you kind of drive past you would maybe pop in go to the shop but actually if you take the tour you realize just how much is happening on site and it's it's a really good example of that it's a good kind of educational tool I guess in that way um but yeah so I've kind of joined at a time where they're thinking about how to sort of get the word out again and remind people of the brand because I think people are really aware of Tully Barden but haven't heard from us for a while is is kind of the the feedback I'm getting from the industry or or who who I've been speaking to for uh recently so that's quite that's a great position for me to be in to come in and try and you know push push our our strategy push our sort of communication out to that yeah, to that I, audience I and be engaged quite a warm audience huh definitely yeah people already love it or have or they have opinions of it where actually it'd be good to sort of get them to try our newer stuff because i think um a 15 year old we launched last year is a really good example of like the new style of Tullibarden and i think it'd be interested like people will be interested to see the difference between that and the older style so yeah room to surprise people huh yeah yeah but it's really nice for me because you know this is a great brand to be involved in and at such an interesting time where they're just sort of really putting that focus back onto the getting the word out basically yeah awesome so can you tell us a little bit about the history of the distillery and and the site yes um so the 1488 is the date you'll find on the bottle in our our logo um and that date is referring to King James IV, um, who bought beer on the same site um, at that date. So um, it was the, apparently the first legal purchase of beer in Scotland. Um, mm. And S- William Delm Evans um, actually decided to build the distillery on the same site, but not until 1947. Um, so he's an architect and he also designed Jura and Glenallachie. And I think he wasn't, there was a couple of owners in between him and uh, White and Mackay who bought it in 1993, including Invergordon. They did some, they added some stills as well. Um, But in in 1993, White and Mackay bought it and mothballed it as part of, you know, there was a lot of decreasing demand for for single malt then. So they, I think they mothballed six um, other distilleries as well at that Mm -hmm. time. Um, And then it lay um, mothballed for 10 years. Um, which um, <laughs> is a bit of a shame, I guess, in the, in, in the history. It's a lot of, of the, dust to clear up. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah um and i think i was yeah so one of the, like all of the people who work in the visitor center are locals as well so some of the tour guides actually said they grew up in the sort of uh in the mothball distillery and they could actually sneak in through the gates and there was um <laughs> you know they could play amongst the casks which is quite a oh, cool that's fun. cool like thing <laughs> yeah um and then in 1990 Oh, sorry, 2003, um, a group of private investors bought the distillery and decided to put it back into production. Um, so they were called the Tully Barden Distillers Group um, and they started production and they did the sort of, the re- they realised all the casts they had were quite old, poor quality, so they did a big expansive re- re- um, recasking uh, process as well. So they put a lot of that, put a lot into that and actually produced about one8 million litres in 2008 um, and they, uh, they laid the, the foundation for what the brand is now um, because they'd started experimenting with finishes and, and sort of looking at the style there and kind of sort of breathe new life into the brand um, and they had that until 2011 when our current owners, um, the Picard family, bought it over so it's part of Terroir Distillers um, and that's a French, uh, French family independent company so okay that's where we currently um, are gosh 2008 feels like yesterday to me but i guess that's quite a long time ago now huh? yeah <laughs> i know years. Yeah. <laughs> 2022 um oh and it was also the, the site next to it is probably really famous for being a baxter's soup um restaurant so they had like a 250 seat restaurant where um and a, a shopping outlet as well so the distillery wasn't the full size um, that it is now when when uh, Terroir Distillers, they bought the full unit, so there was the shopping outlet as well. Um, but we do still get some people coming in looking for soup. <laughs> what, what, um, uh, what Baxter Soup Restaurant, did they just sell soup? I yeah. mean... <laughs> well, so our, um, our visitor centre manager used to work in the Baxters, so she... Um, she stayed when when it got bought over. Um, so she, yeah, these. I think it was soup and a cafe and that kind of yeah. thing. But I think the main the main menu item would have been soup. So how has the distillery changed then since Terroir Distillers took it on? Did you say in two thousand eleven? Was it two thousand eleven? Yeah. Um, the uh, they increased, like improved all the facilities. But I guess the most sort of the biggest change would be in the style of the whiskey itself. So the previous house style was quite sherry influenced and spice, dried fruit spices, that type of, of character, which I guess is probably the old fashioned Highland character. Um, yep. But I'm quite oily as well. So um, they've they really pushed to sort of make it a softer, more elegant style. And then they've sort of, they built a, the first fill bourbon foundation is really what all of Tullibardin now begins with. So the base is a first fill bourbon cask. And then you know they, they do the finishes or or not if uh, if the sovereign is our the flagship uh, whiskey and that is just the, the the bourbon cask and we've got a couple of limited editions that are the bourbon casks but cast strength as well so um, yeah that that's the kind of uniform style now for Tullibardin. Um but they also have access to the vineyards so they have um, some vineyards in France and um, so we get some of our casks from from Burgundy from from the family business so that's quite a nice sort of closed loop um, and it means we can sort of ensure the quality and that type of thing so it's become quite a wood forward whiskey um, which wasn't the style before so 
yeah, that's the, probably the main the main. What thing do you mean by a What do you mean by a wood forward? We're really okay. focusing on the cask um, and those finishes, and and really sort of that's being the biggest part of the style. I guess is is really sort of putting the effort in and and working. Like so, I think processes are going to be something I'm going to be looking at as well as and seeing where what our like your sherry uh, bodega relationships are and things in in Jerez. So um, yeah, ba- basically putting the focus onto the quality of the casks and I guess even on our like um our bottles casks appear quite uh prominently our glasses are shaped like a cask and and yeah so having the cooperage on site I guess as well is probably yeah that's cool um and quite unusual I think yeah not many have them anymore Mm. um it is a small cooperage but yeah there's there's not that um not many I've, I've actually been to I don't think I've how do, how do you think that um you know having those processes on site how do you think that um affects the visitor experience and how, what do you think what do you think that brings to the whiskey i mean really nice to have that kind of connection to the vineyards as well and knowing that everybody's you know working towards the same aim do you know yeah I mean? yeah um well when i first joined that's something i got really excited about um is mm. is the I'm a bit of a whiskey geek on that side and i've been to the space and cooperage and tried to make my own cooper and my own cast like you know how did, did you get on ones. um i think i did it quite quickly but it did fall apart so probably <laughs> um so yeah i was like this is amazing having this on site and john is john is our cooper he is so good um and he, he makes lots of nice pieces for the shop as well so using the staves in other ways once they've been used um so we've got clocks um and we've got a uh, decanter sets with with sort of steves for the glass holders and he's uh yeah he's he's very talented um so he does that when he's not uh fixing basically the casks for that so yeah i think that's quite nice although that currently isn't part of the tour it might be in the future um but the the cooperage isn't even isn't part of the tour but from the milling side like we have everything else um, available on the tour. And I think that, as I said, is probably quite a nice surprise for someone who just popped in to, to see how how hands-on um, Tullibarden is and, I guess, handcrafted and how much effort goes into each stage of the process. So it's probably quite a good educational tool. Just from a square footage perspective, that must that must be um, a pretty major part of the distillery then. I mean, I, I, mean, I suppose, the, you know, the way I perceive the... Um, space Eye Cooperage is that oh that's know. huge yeah <laughs> no, but, it's I mean, not, but I mean it's they're, they're servicing thousands of distilleries aren't they yeah. so I mean it, was... the, is he dedicated just to the Tullibarden distillery I mean that must be a, a lovely job yeah he is just for us um, so we also um, have Highland Queen the blend as well so um, mm-hmm. that he'll do he'll do the cast for that and Muirheads as well so it is um there are not just Tullibarden, I guess, um, just to work on, but it's actually quite small. Like we've um, behind the main distillery building, we've got the Cooperage site, which is it's not it's not huge actually. It's, and it, obviously, he's just a one man band, so it's just him and his workshop. Um, but yeah, as I said, may, that may be something to add to tours later because I do think it's a really great part of the distillery, and it feels like yeah, quite an exciting part for people to be able to see. Yeah. Definitely. It's a USP, if you ask me. You should definitely get that on your list, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's early days for you at Tullibarden, but 
from our conversations, it sounds like you've already settled in quite well. How would you describe the distillery to visitors from your own first impressions? Um, yeah, I think my the biggest thing that I learned on like day one was how passionate everyone is. So I think the passion really comes through from every person you talk to, from the tour guides to the cooper to everyone who works in the warehouse. It's a really small operation, but everyone is very, very dedicated to what they're doing and, and loves it. So we're also quite approachable. I think it's an approachable whiskey. Um, we're trying to, you know, bring whiskey to to everyone. It's something to be enjoyed by everyone. So I guess, like, from a from a liquid perspective, um, our sovereign, our entry-level sovereign, you know, we kind of play on this, the sweetness of the bourbon cask, and it does make that first taste or first, first dip your toe into the water try of Tullibardin quite quite easy um and then our, our cask finishes are again not nothing they're all 40 percent there there's nothing too intense about any of those so I guess it's it's a it's quite an approachable whiskey in that in that sense um and our tape we have a tasting set actually which is a nice introduction to the brand that gives you the, the so, uh, the sovereign plus the three finishes um and I think for someone who's new to whiskey that's a that would be a nice way to sort of learn a little bit about bourbon and then the cask finishes so um yeah oh yeah and I hear you've had a children's celebrity visit the distillery as well <laughs> yeah so I asked I was asking around about any funny stories from the from the history of Dillabarden and our distillery manager is actually he's worked uh, he's worked at Tullibarden for about over 15 years now, so he's been around for everything. Um, and he was telling tell me a story about when he was doing some maintenance inside one of the stills um, and a tour went past. Um, so he popped his head out to sort of give them a bit of a surprise. And um, <laughs> Timmy, <laughs> Timmy Mallet was on the tour. So Amazing. the very so popular <laughs> kids TV uh, presenter um, and apparently he was in stitches he was this was the funniest thing ever so it's quite <laughs> it's quite funny that uh, probably one of our most famous uh, visitors as well so <laughs> me and my friends used to play mallet's mallet with an old lemonade bottle it was quite painful <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are your plans for 2022 you've, you've a new launch coming in the autumn is that right yes um so we're launching an 18 year old into our uh, signature range um so that's quite exciting because that's quite a big big launch for us so we don't know the actual uh for, we'd have a firm date yet but we're thinking probably it'll be autumn uh, of this year um because actually we've bottled our last 25 year olds now so oh, wow. um this is being added into a continuous range um because obviously there was that mothball period of the 10 years yeah. where we had no production so yeah so the 18 year old is a very exciting uh addition to the range um and then we've also we've also started doing distillery exclusives um so we started that during the pandemic and had a great success despite it being the pandemic so um we do it basically it's um the oldest serving members of the team help pick a cask um and that'll become the distillery exclusive um so we've got one coming at the end of February and then once that runs out it'll be the the next one after so we'll probably have a couple of those this year as well um and 
we've also got a website. Uh, now we've got our, our own website. Um, we're probably going to look at trying uh, some online exclusives there as well, which is quite mm. cool. We think that will be quite exciting. Um, it only delivers to like the UK and Australia at the moment, but we're also hoping to sort of roll that out a bit wider as well. But awesome. That's some stuff to come. That sounds fun. Your distillery exclusives with the oldest serving members of the team picking a cask. Do they like yeah. get involved with the kind of branding of the bottle and stuff as well, or how are you doing? That? They get well. They get their name on the bottle, um, and they do the tasting notes as well. So it's oh. quite it's it's really nice because Gavin. Um, if anyone has ever visited Tully Barden, they probably met Gavin, who is our South African tour guide. He's been with the company for since yeah, since, definitely since it's been taken over, um, and he. Um, his cask uh, has been really popular but he is just he's such a character and everyone always raves about their tours if they have it with Gavin so um, yeah it's great to actually get the people involved and like have a story for each of them and we know why he picked that cask and yeah it's really it's great awesome I really like that it's a really nice way to get the team involved huh yeah Um, what's your own favourite whiskey Um, so at the moment I am quite obsessed with the Murray 2008 uh, Tully Barden uh, limited edition so it's the latest of our limited edition range um, and we I got a bottle sort of pre-Christmas and mm, kind of ashamed to say but we finished it within two weeks so I think <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a good sign that we uh, that we definitely uh, yeah, market, market very... research for your for your own job though surely uh-huh. you, could, oh, you could probably definitely. that's tax deductible is it not? <laughs> oh definitely yeah 100 <laughs> percent um but that's yeah that's a great version but also i guess my all-time favorite is probably been having 12 just such a great dram um i went quite early on in my whiskey journey we uh we we had a like we tried that at a tasting and i don't think i've ever not had it on my shelf since it's cool. always there it's just such a great great distillery as well um, and is it true that your husband quite enjoys a, a dram as well then? Yes. Um, yeah, we actually um, sort of, well, when, when I moved to London, we we went to a lot of the, ta- we've done all the tastings together and we both have a real passion for it. Um, so actually we decided to get married in a distillery. Oh, cool. Um, so we got married in Lindor's Abbey um, awesome. just last year and it was, it was great. And we hadn't tried their single malt um, until the day of the wedding where we did the quake drinking from the quake in front of everyone okay. um so we were really <laughs> nervous that we would like we would like it but thankfully it's a it's a brilliant drop so uh, we had we tried it for the first time in front of our uh, in front of our guests so cool and, that's lovely yeah it's great <laughs> oh, it's such a lovely distillery as well and and really well done I, we got married in just outside the ruins in the back of the abbey which oh, is it's beautiful there isn't it so lovely yeah and we got nice weather which also helps. I'm starting to feel a little bit bad for Tully Barden here. We've mentioned so many other different brands. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what have we covered? Lindor's Abbey, Buna Habin, yeah. <laughs> Beauty well, we're Whiskey. Just... <laughs> yeah, true. Tully Barden's the best, obviously. <laughs> of course. Um, finally then, what advice would you give to someone who would like to know more about whiskey? Um, I guess from my experience is to just try as many drams as possible different styles distilleries um a good tip is if you can find um somewhere where the, the miniatures or tasting sets i think like tasting sets are really sort of 
nice introduction. You don't have to spend the full amount, so it's kind of without the risk of buying a full bottle, something you're not sure that you're going to enjoy. Um, so I, I guess probably from my time at Drinks by the Dram, that's where, where that's come from. But it is generally a really great way to be able to find something that suits your palate and that you're going to enjoy. Yeah, a bit less pressure on you, huh, to, to yeah. buy and enjoy a full bottle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Ros, it was lovely speaking to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been great. If you've enjoyed hearing from Roslyn and would like to try Tullabarden for yourself, you can find the full Tullabarden range at shop.tullabarden.com. Sign up to their newsletter to be the first to hear about their latest releases, including the 18-year-old later this year. And take a look at the Tullabarden Distillery profile on the distillerytours.scot website and click on the Book Now button to find out more. Distillerytours.scot has every whisky distillery visitor centre in one place. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, or sign up for our Distillery and Whisky News monthly email to hear the podcast first at distillerytours.scot forward slash sign up. Next month, we'll be speaking to the team at the Aberfeldy Distillery. We look forward to seeing you then.